in week three of our series, Picture This, uh, kind of a best of compilation of some of the drawings I've used throughout the years to illustrate sermon points. I appreciate all the good feedback I've gotten on the book. Uh, if you haven't bought it yet, there are still some copies left in the uh, visitor center, the welcome center. I think there's $7 here or $9 online on Amazon. And uh, this weekend has some great news. Uh, because some of you came in here while you walked in here and you're moving around and whatnot. Uh, some of you are stuck. You are stuck in a relationship and it just isn't working or it's just dysfunctional, disappointing, painful, and it just seems like there's no way to fix that. Some of you are, are stuck personally uh, in your emotional life or how your thought life goes. And some of you are stuck in habits uh, that you don't want, you tried to break, or maybe some of you are stuck, there are habits you want to create and you want to develop in your life, but you just can't seem to do it. Well, this weekend I want to talk about getting unstuck, and we're going to look at getting unstuck both relationally and getting unstuck from bad habits. So let's dive in. If you have the CLC app, there are notes you can follow along, and there are scripture verses uh, that won't be up on the screen. And I'd like us to talk, first of all, about Psalm 139, Verse 1 and verse 3. Psalm 139, David says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. God knows you better than you know yourself. He, God knows you, understands you deeper than anyone else does. And he cares for you. And uh, these two uh, emphases, these two drawings come out of a series we did several years ago called Unstuck in your thoughts, your relationships, your bad habits and from your past. And if you, if you get this book on Amazon, I want to give you a little bit of a caveat to that. Uh, I've got a master's degree in counseling and psychology. I've done loads of that throughout my, my life in counseling individuals and couples. Uh, I do way less of that at being a lead pastor, but I still a couple hours a week, but I did a lot as a staff member. I had more, more on my schedule. And so when I wrote this, I thought, okay, I'm going to write this like we set a time to sit down and counsel together. And so don't buy it if you're just going to read it. It's a book you need to kind of experience and do it. So right in the middle of a chapter, you talk about getting unstuck in your thoughts or your, your relationship, your past, whatever. It's going to say, okay, stop and write these things down. Stop and, and do this. So, so go through it in a responsive kind of way, not in a hurry. Uh, and I've gotten great feedback from people who really found it helpful. But let me read from it briefly. God is a relational God. Would you say that? From the early pages of Scripture, we see him in close relationships with Adam and Eve. He personally chose Abraham to be a friend of God. And he spoke with Moses, the Bible says, just as a man speaks to his friend. In the New Testament, Jesus becomes the human personification of God and personally selects his 12 disciples. Peter, James, and John were his closest friends. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus portrays himself in a very relational mode, standing at the door of our heart, knocking and waiting for a personal invitation into our lives to dine together. This creates an image of a delightful meal shared among friends. God is and presents himself to be a relational God. And that whole idea, whenever I hear the, the aspect of dining together, I have these flashbacks to my MBA advisor at Wright State, Dr. Stickney. And he, I remember what he would say in class, well, you students, you like to eat out and go eat. My wife and I like to dine together. He talked about the tablecloths and the tiny and all that kind of stuff. And uh, this past week, I was talking about that with Joyce. We went out for, Mother, or for Valentine's Day um, a day late. 
because Wednesday was crazy busy. All the rest of you were at the restaurant. And so uh, we went to a really nice restaurant, and I, I re- recalled that whole idea of just dying together and how nice that is. God's a very relational God, and when he talks about himself and his relationship with us, it's a deep sense of connection that he longs for. And if we don't have that, it's probably us that need to, to look inside. And so I'd like us to kind of look at our relationships And when you realize that we're created in the image of God, He is a relational God, so we are relational beings. So much so that in our Western culture, uh, the most severe punishment we can come up with besides capital punishment is to take a human being who's made to be relational and put them in solitary confinement where they have no contact with other humans. It's the harshest thing we can come up with. Why? Because it goes against the way we're made. I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert, any people. I don't care if you see yourself as a people person or not. We need people and relationship and connection. And so think about for a moment the wide array of your relationships, okay? You've got family members. You've got people that you married into the relationship. Uh, You've got uh, work relationships. You've got church relationships where you live, where you do life. If your kids or you are in sports or you work out, there's people all around where you do business, all right, where you shop. You've got relationships. Some people you know very intimately. And some you know, hey, how you doing? Hey, good, how are you? And you, you see each other, you're familiar, but you don't really know anything depth. But we have all kinds of relationships. So, real quick, how many of you have some relationships that are really good and, and satisfying in your life? Let me see your hand. Hopefully every hand goes up. All right. How many of you have some that are not? Same hands go up, okay? Uh, well, we're going we're gonna to kind of look across that uh, landscape of your relationships. And uh, before we go too far, I'm going to start drawing. And I drew part of this drawing last night. I told the team just to keep it so I can get there quicker. But this is a drawing. And we'll just say this is me. And I have thoughts. I have a thought life. I have certain ways that I think. I've got dreams, hopes and dreams. I've got limitations. I've got feelings. I have what I call my ams and my am nots. Who I am and who I'm not. I've got choices. I've got abilities. I've got attitudes. I've got my appearance. And uh, I've got sort of my, my preferences, what I like and what I don't like. All, right, all these things, uh, they make me make up who I am. And uh, would you say you're complicated? All right. Well, I got news for you. Um, no offense to the drawing. Here's you. And you have your version of you. And would you say, I'm complicated? Take this and overlay it with last week's sermon, if you were here, uh, with the drawing of husband, wife, son, daughter. Remember that one? Okay, like 11 relationships just in that and all the bubbles around that. And I got people telling me all week long, how do I pop the bubbles? Okay, but, um, and, and so you take all that complication, all right, and all of life and then add to that relational complication and life. Add to that all this going on inside of each one of us. It's a challenge. And where we, when we come to relationships, let's hope 
that there is a sense of honesty and respect that sort of guides our relationships and, and creates the, the context for it. But there are some relationships that it may be deceit, it may be manipulative, it may just be the shop vac of the soul. Those people that just, they just suck you dry. That was one of my favorite actual sermon illustrations. You remember we had the shop back out there. Just, they just suck you out. And, and so where we end up getting stuck, let's, let's now, first of all, think about you for just a minute and, and be honest with yourself. You're complicated. And a whole bunch of this stuff, we, we don't tell people, and here, here's all my, we don't do that every time we meet somebody, okay? So most of me coming to you is unspoken. It's assumed, because I assume me, and I often tend to assume you should know me. So you should know what I'm thinking, what my feelings are, or what my ams and amnots, my choices, my ambitions, my, all the, you should know that. Well, how should we know that? All right. And likewise, they come with all their version, and they kind of assume you should know that, and you want to defensively say, well, how should I know that? There's a whole lot of unspoken things. And, and so when you just look at this, it's no wonder that depending on what you're looking for in a relationship, they can often be less than satisfying. Now, we hopefully, you know, if I go buy gas at UDF, there's a couple few people that I kind of, I don't know them, but hey, how you doing? They recognize me, I recognize them. Hey, hey good, good, fine, whatever, okay. But I don't expect a whole lot of soul-deep stuff with them. I'm just going to buy a Frappuccino and pay for my gas. Have a good day. I expect more of people in different arenas of my relationships, family, friends, coworkers, whatever, but I want to talk now about the relationships that are difficult for you. And I say that, and all of a sudden, faces and names are popping into your mind. And some of them have been difficult. Some of them may always be difficult. Uh, one theologian used to call, there are some people that are EGR people. I didn't mention this other service. This is a bonus for you. Extra grace required. And how many of you know some of those people, right? And, and chances are they're going to need that grace for life to learn how to apply it. But we get stuck when, when, I, when I hold you responsible for my thoughts. Well, you make me feel. I hate it when counselors say, no one can make you feel anything. You choose to feel that. Oh, Great. I am responsible. Everything this side of the line, I'm responsible for that. The only person who can change your attitude is you. Even though you can sure shape my attitude if I let you, you can make me feel whatever it is, I'm responsible for the attitude I have. I'm responsible for what I do with these abilities, the choices I make, even though, and we'll look later, at there are some choices that you can trigger me to then choose to do that I don't want to do. Everything this side of the line is my responsibility. Everything this side of the line is your responsibility. Now, on top of me wanting to blame you for some of this stuff, people also want me to feel responsible for some of their stuff. Right? 
And boy, some of your hearts and your minds are whirling with family members or coworkers or whoever that are kind of on the manipulative end of things, and they want to make you feel guilty. They want to make you feel whatever, and they blame you, and they put it all on you, and you have to remind yourself of two simple truths. And so for this truth, would you all please stand? All right? Put down whatever. And I want you to look at this. This is me. This is you. Thoughts, dreams, limits, appearance, uh, preferences, feelings, ams, am-nots, choices, ability, attitude, and a whole lot more. Okay, and we're complicated. Would you just do this and just say mine? See, all, all of this, do this. Come on, a little scan. Mine. This one feels really good, though. Now do this and do this and say not mine. Mine. Not mine. No, you can't put that on me. No, that is not mine. I'll own everything this side of the line, but I'm not owning that. I had a friend of mine last night who was here. He said, man, I remember you preached that a few years ago. That's been one of the most liberating truths for me in my life. What to own, what not to own. And some of you are stuck because you're trying to own how they think, how they feel. They achieve their dreams. You're trying to own their attitude, whatever, and you can't. So turn to everyone and say, kindly stop it. Just tell them, kindly stop it. All right, have a seat. So what can we do, though? We don't have a flippant, blow-you-off attitude about people. Uh, Romans 12, 18 is a great verse with loads of truth in it. Let's go ahead and read it in phrases. If possible, so far as it depends on you. Be at peace with everyone. So, if possible. There are some people in this realm that it's just not possible to get along with very well. They won't have it. And sometimes there are emotional or mental or whatever things that are really deep inside that make that difficult. There are some people that just don't get along. Or you can't get along. That's where I go back a couple weeks ago, adjust your expectations, all right? There are some relationships you're going to have, if you have them, they are going to be superficial, hi, how are you, have a nice day, boom, and that's it. They're not going to go soul deep because it's not possible to go much deeper there. So if possible, and pray for discernment. Those relationships you're thinking about right now, about family, friends, whoever, that are difficult relationships, ask for wisdom, Lord, how possible, what is possible in my relationship with them? The second one is, as far as it depends on you. Isn't that interesting that Paul says, so far as it depends on you? What's he saying? So far as it depends on my, because all I control about them is my, not mine. So far as it depends on you, on the way I think about them, on the emotions I have and choose to have about them, on the choices I make with them, the way I communicate, my attitude, all that, as it depends on me, live at peace. So when it as it depends on you, so how do you choose to communicate with them? And when I think about how it depends on me. I think of a story of a couple of guys who, I think New York City, and so uh, they're taking the subway and the train into the, their office, and they both work at the same place. They get off the same, same stop. 
stop at a coffee shop and they deal with the barista. One guy always gets a certain cup of coffee, the other guy is not a coffee drinker. And the barista at this coffee shop is always rude and just really nasty. And yet the guy who's buying the coffee, hey, how you doing? Okay, I'll take my usual. What's your usual? He goes through the whole thing. Really nice, really pleasant. And the guy is just a jerk on the other side of the counter. You wonder how he stays open. And they go to the office, and, and so finally his friend, after observing this over and over again, says, that guy's a jerk every day. It's totally rude, not, not nice at all. And yet you are, you are always pleasant and kind to him. Why in the world do you do that? His answer is simple. Basically, I don't want him to determine how I am. I don't want him to determine the way I choose to be relationally. The way I choose to communicate. I can go ahead and give you control of that. Well, if you were... When I do that, what have I done? I've given you control. I have said, now mine is actually all yours. And that's sure to be a disappointment. So I choose how to communicate. I choose the level of contact to have. Uh, that's kind of an area of boundaries. I choose the compromising I do. Relationships are about compromise. Even if they don't. And I choose... That thing Jesus said about love your neighbor as yourself, I choose that. Because to some, I am probably somebody's extra grace required person. Turn your neighbor, and so are you. Just tell them. And so I, I, I choose to love my neighbor. I choose to try to be mindful, to treat them like Jesus would treat people. And, and so as far as it depends on me, live at peace. He does not say that you should be BFFs, best friends forever. No, live at peace. It's a fairly achievable bar. Just get along. If you can do better than that, great. But as, as far as it depends on you, if possible, live at peace, get along with people. And then he says, with everyone. And I put in parentheses, what? Didn't you just say, if it's possible, yeah, and that's the qualifier. Put those two together. I think Paul is suggesting a relational demeanor. You know, there's some people that you almost feel like they want to say, and what's your problem, right? right? Don't be that person. Have a relational demeanor, a, a, a relational expectation set. That, you know what? We're going to get along. And, and, and I'm gonna, I can get along with you, and God's going to help me, give me grace. I'll make the right choices. And so have that open to everyone. I think Jesus did. And so have that with them, all right? So, um, I want to pause for a moment and just let this kind of sink in and think about the people you're stuck with. N not stuck with, but I mean, you're stuck in a relationship. Your relationship's stuck. There you go, all right? And this is a new direction to take because when we're stuck, I tend to, I tend to be aware of all the stuff that they don't do right. Well, if they, if she, if they, if she, if they, 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 he, but, but, if, you know, if they just, but, but, but. and I, I tend to go through all the stuff that they should change and do and whatever, and the reality is I have no control over them. And the more I try to control and change, and if they would just and blame, yeah, I, I can go ahead and blame until I die, feel exonerated, but it doesn't change the relationship. If I'm going to play any helpful part in transforming that relationship, I have to say, okay, what's mine? And related to them, how, God, how do I respond, change, grow in these areas so far as it depends on me to live at peace and even see that relationship grow with them? So I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit kind of 
ding you with a few names or faces and at least start you down the process of how you might respond different. Got it? Want to hear the other board now? All right. Or I can close in prayer, either one. So. All right. Um, let's talk about getting unstuck from bad habits. A habit is defined as an acquired behavior pattern, regularly followed until it's become almost involuntary. We all have habits, both good and bad. They are part of life. And... A little exercise. This is going to be an out loud to yourself exercise. So I'm going to invite you to talk to yourself today, okay? No listening in, listening over, okay? But it just kind of helps to kind of process things out loud, okay? So first of all, I would like you, we're going to come up with two habits. I'd like you to out loud identify two good habits that you enjoy, all right? Like I could say, I enjoy the Saturday morning habit of me and Joyce working out and then going to breakfast, usually at George's together, okay? So I enjoy brushing my teeth. I have a big habit, small habit, whatever, okay? I want you to think of two good habits you have. I don't care what they are, all right? You ready? Out loud, whisper those habits. I, and say the whole sentence. I enjoy blank. Say it twice. Go on, go. All right, that's good. Let's one good habit I look forward to developing is so think of a habit you don't have yet. And let me just clarify. How many of you have some good habits? How many have some bad habits? Did you notice that it takes no energy to keep a bad habit going? But the good ones, man, they're uphill all the way. All right, but we're not hopeless or we're not done, okay? So think of a good habit that you would like to have. Everybody you say, oh, I already tried. No, I'm not, not doing that, okay? One good habit I look forward to is what? Identify a good habit you would like to have in the future. Say it out loud, night but quiet. Ready, go. Okay, and then there's one more. I have a bad habit of, now this one, I want you to do out loud. There is no leaning over to hear what they say. If you want to put your hand over your mouth, People do it all, all weekend long. That's fine, too. Okay? Be like those NFL coaches, you know, when there's a big play, they do this. I don't know why they do that. There are lip readers out there or what? But anyway, so, um, but out loud, go ahead and, and just to have a bad habit of and go ahead and mention one of them. All right? Go on. Do it. Be courageous. All right. We're not going to worry too much about these, okay, because the good habits, they're good for us and we're motivated enough and we're keeping them. But I want to talk about getting unstuck from bad habits. And the Apostle Paul knows how you feel, 
assuming you have some. In Romans 7, verse 15, look at what he said. For what I'm doing, I do not understand. For I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. Can I hear an amen? amen. So how, that push-pull that I, I, want, I want it to be a good habit, but I have a bad habit of. And I think one way to help us deal with, I mean, you could just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop. You can promise yourself, all right, over and over again, and, and it often doesn't work. I want to ask for a show of hands, but many of us have told ourselves we're not going to do it, and we're going to quit that habit, and then we promise ourselves we're going to quit that habit, and then we do the habit again. And we ask for forgiveness, and it starts all over, and Satan loves to beat us up with the guilt. So one way, I think, to help get unstuck is to identify... Oh, I love drawing on a whiteboard. Your bad habit is just the tip of the iceberg. There are often what I call uh, habit drivers. Below the surface. And I have found it very helpful in dealing with the habits that I want to break to pray for wisdom. Lord, show me what this is connected to. I'll give you an example. Uh, there are, would you say emotional? There are emotional habit drivers. I mean, the obvious easy one, people talk about I'm an emotional eater. When I get stressed, I eat. When I get depressed, I eat. When I, whatever, I eat, okay? Uh, and so when we feel certain things, when we get flooded emotionally, we can act out. And we can act out in ways far different or far more damaging than just emotionally eating. There can other things we can do. You might be quitting smoking over and over again, but every time whatever happens, boom, you act out. There's that, that emotional driver of that habit. Uh, a second one uh, is, would you say, relational? I said in the book, I, when I was in high school, if I got in trouble, uh, you could pretty much identify who I was with because we had a habit, all right, of how we behaved. And, and there are some relational drivers that some of the difficult people in your life when you are with them, the emotions it stirs up and, and, the, and the thoughts you have about them or you think they have toward you or the feelings it stirs up or the behaviors and attitudes, I mean, it all, it all kicks in. And boy, when you are with around them or they, whatever, it just, boom, and that bad habit just flares. And then there are generational, say generational. There are some things that uh, our courtesy of your family of origin. And uh, I have to kind of explain this next uh, comment. Those of us that are baby boomers and beyond grew up with a lot of famous sayings. And I, our kids grew up with me, with me saying famous sayings don't get famous by accident. For instance, how many of you have ever heard the saying, a stitch in time saves nine? Raise your hand. Okay, for the most part, that's all old people raising their hand, okay? Well, baby boomers, how's that, all right? How many of you have no idea what that even means? Let me see your hand, okay? Everybody under 40. You go, what in the world does that mean? You never heard that, okay? Well, so question, when you have a pair of socks 
and you get a hole in those socks, what do you do with the socks? Throw them away, right? Not when I was a kid. My parents grew up in the Great Depression, all right, where they literally had no food. So when I was a kid, when you grew up and you had a hole in your sock, you gave it to mom, and mom had this wooden ball with a handle on it. And she stuck the sock over this wooden ball, and then she got a needle and thread, and she would stitch that hole shut, and so my sock was repaired, and I'd put it on until next time. Now, the key was, give mom the holy sock as soon as you see the hole. Because the longer you take and the bigger the hole gets, the more stitches it takes to fix the hole. So a stitch in time, early, saves nine more later. Get it? Stitch in time saves nine. Oh, all right. So, what? Profound. You can use that today. Um, you can tweet it if you want to. Or, what do you call it now? It's not tweeting. Did you exit? You can exit, all right? So, um, so here's the saying, Okay. Fill in the blanks. The apple didn't fall far. All the old people said that one, okay? What does that mean? Well, it means that, you know, like father, like son, like mother, like daughter, if you're the apple in your family tree, okay, chances are you're going to be a pretty close representation of what they were like and who they were like. And like it or not, I can look at John and Dorothy Tharp and see the stuff in me from them, both good and bad, and, and I can see it in our kids. And so there are generational influences. Hopefully they're not devastating, but sometimes they are. And sometimes the magnitude of what generational things do and, and the way that can drive our habits and our behaviors to cope with that. And, and if you never put two plus two together and figure out the, the, the spiritual psychological four that, wow, I turn to drinking every time I have a blow-up with my whoever, family member, all right? I, I turn to that whenever that... You know, Satan just plays you like a puppet if you don't pray for wisdom to say, okay, wait, there are relational things that, that make me want to choose to do that. There are generational things. The way my parents coped is the way I coped. Their bad habits, my bad habits. But emotionally, if you don't get this insight and awareness, you're just going to keep... Doing, 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 doing. Oh, I wish I can't, wish I won't. Please forgive me. I've got to stop. And you never really get deeper than that to put things together so that the next time you're going to be in that relationship or the next time generational things kick in or you get flooded emotionally, you can brace yourself. Okay, what can I do instead of that bad habit? And then finally, say spiritual. Ephesians 5 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. We are in a spiritual battle. And Satan has a heyday with us because he's also the accuser of the brethren. And so, wow, when these happen, dude, does he ever beat us up with guilt? And you call yourself a Christian. I thought you asked God to forgive you last time. Well, where is the Holy Spirit helping you in the first place? I mean, just... And so it's helpful for us to be in touch with those habit drivers. If you gain nothing from today's message, take a screenshot of that and then pray about it. Spend some time just praying, Lord, open my eyes to help me see uh, how those work together. And so let me give you five quick tools to get unstuck. Would you say pray? James chapter 5 says to confess our sins to one another that you might be healed the effective prayer of a righteous person can accomplish much. We really have lost the value and the effectiveness of confessing to each other. Hey, I'm really struggling. I'm having a hard time. 
And when we share what we're dealing with and this person is, is honesty and respect and compassion, and there can be huge synergy there in, in confessing, but also in just praying. The, God hears our prayers, and he hears the prayers of other people praying for us. So prayer is a huge tool. Uh, when you pray, say repent, say renounce, say break, and bless. Uh, these come out of a discipleship course we did years ago. Not all habits, bad habits, are sinful. They might just be dysfunctional or painful. They might just perpetuate problems. They're not necessarily sinful. So we, we tend to think of this in terms of like addictions and pornography and stuff like that. But some bad habits just aren't, aren't good for you as a person. And so you may need to repent about it. At the very least, then I pray. And so if you need to, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. And then he forgives you. And then if you renounce it, it's basically giving an eviction notice to that habit in your life. I no longer want that in my life. I renounce it from my life. And then I pray you would break the bondage, break this habit in Jesus' name. And then after you do that, then pray a blessing over yourself. Whatever the habit was, I pray you bless me with self-control. I pray you bless me with righteousness, bless me with whatever. The opposite of that habit, pray for God to bless you with that. All right. Uh, the second point, second tool is fasting. Say fasting. And Jesus talked about the spiritual power of prayer and fasting that can accomplish things, especially at this deeper spiritual level that can't be accomplished otherwise. And so learn to do a lot of meal or meals or a day's worth or whatever or something in your life that will cause that hunger to prompt you to hunger thirst for righteousness and pray. But prayer and fasting are a huge uh, set of tools. And then uh, say Bible verses. Read Matthew 4. And uh, when Jesus was tempted, he would quote scripture to Satan. Yeah, but it was said, it is written over and over again. So whatever the habits are you're trying to break, maybe you have the habit of gossiping, all right? And you're like, whoa, wait a minute, you're talking about that kind of stuff? Well, it is a sin. The Bible talks about it. In fact, it can keep you out of heaven. Whoa, look up those verses, all right? Thou shalt not covet. If you're just eating up with envy, we tend to think, well, if you kill people, steal stuff, or you're into porn, that's bad, but just being envious and jealous, well, yeah, it's one of the Ten Commandments. So look those things up, put somewhere to remind you, uh, and also verses uh, like uh, John 8, sorry, 39, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Uh, Romans 8, 27, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me, rather. And, uh, and also in 1 Corinthians 10, 3, and following, God can stare, tear down strongholds in your life. So look up some verses, read them out loud to yourself, put them where you'll see them, uh, and that trio is a huge uh, uh, three-punch, if you will. And then number four is share it. Go ahead, say share it. We're to bear each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. All these verses are in the app, by the way. And so as we bear that with each other, as we share that with each other, there's just something amazing about what happens. And then number five, say replace it. Jesus talking about somebody dealing with demon possession, kind of a different subject, but said, okay, what are you going to fill that with once it's gone? And so once this bad habit is no longer there, what do you replace it with?
And so pray for wisdom in that regard. So, assuming that all of us have got some bad habits that we'd like to see done away, or some good habits that we long to see developed, or assuming all this stuff gets triggered and driven there by this stuff and this stuff, I'd like for you to to sort of join me in a closing exercise before we pray. And I'd like you to practice Hebrews 11.1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So what do you hope for? And what is not yet? I'd like you to take a moment and I'd like you to apply the thought of these verses who the sun sets free that's me is free indeed and I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me and, and Luke 1 37 I think you know the angel said anything's possible nothing's impossible to God I'd like you to think about this in fact close your eyes and daydream with me imagine a dysfunctional habit that you have whether it's an emotional reaction you always do whether it's a behavior whether it's that stinking thinking whatever it is imagine yourself no longer going there imagine you without it smile imagine however God helped you get over it and leave it behind that you got over it and left it behind imagine the fruit of the spirit Galatians 5:23 the last one listed is self-control. Imagine bushels full of that fruit in your life. And those habits, whether they be internal or behavioral, mental, emotional, triggered by emotions, relationships, generations, or spiritual battle, imagine that gone from you. How free you will feel. And I'll ask you to stand with me. And I'm excited about closing because I've gone through two services now. God's about to do something really significant for many of you. It's going to take a little courage and authenticity, but that's all. I believe that bad habits grow in secret. I've had habits that I want to get over with and I promised myself and promised God da, 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 I'm, a, I'm a not da, 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 anymore, boom, boom, okay. Or I've, I've you know, okay, i got to get a better grip on whatever and them and all this kind of stuff. And as long as I keep it to myself, change and growth is often minimal or non-existent because they tend, to, they tend to thrive. All that pain and all these bad habits tend to thrive in the dark, in secret. But somehow when we rip it out and bring it out there in the light, change begins. And so we've been singing about two or three and he's present and the power of Christ, what he can do. We've been singing worship about it. Now we're going to do it. Amen. And so if you're here today and you know what this is or what these are and maybe already the Holy Spirit's starting to ding you, wow, there's this, this, or this, or whatever. Or you're here today and you talk about being stuck and you gotta, God's got to help you own what's yours and not what's not yours and, and adjust that and respond to that and grow in that. I want us, I want us to pray about it and I want you to join me because I have found that both these processes, you do not reach a point in life where I hit my 50th birthday and I'm done. Got it all figured out. I hit my 67th birthday and I'm still not done. 
and I make progress there, and I got more to do. And I, I make progress here, and, get, and Satan's great at replacing one bad habit with another one you got to deal with. And so if you're like me, you need, you need to pray about these things. You want God to do something. I want you to, as the team sings a great song about making room in our life for him, I want you to just come and join me right down front here and kind of squeeze in because there'll be a lot of us. And we're going to pray, and we're going to expect God to help you get unstuck you may not change them, but you can, he can change what's inside of you toward them. And you might be stuck with bad habits. You're not stuck with them. You're stuck in them. He can get you unstuck in that. So if that's your desire, come as the team sings. And when they're done, we're going to pray. Come. All it takes is enough courage. I'm ripping this thing out of the, out of the shadows. I'm going to bring it to light. And I'm going to say, Lord, I need your help. Come as they sing.
come forward. You just quietly tell God why you're here if you haven't yet. God, I came forward because just whisper it to him. What habits, what reactions, what relationships, what stuff below the surface. What is it you find yourself? I keep trying to control what's not mine. I keep trying to make them responsible for it. It's not theirs. Just tell God why you're here. And tell them the feeling behind it. I feel so, what, defeated, so guilty, so frustrated, so unloved, so misunderstood. Just tell them. Tell them the emotions that go with that. It's huge. problems, how to solve them? Would you, without any suggestion of what to do, would you just surrender to him just out loud to God? I maybe say their name, the situation. I just put it in your hands. Don't make any promises. Just, 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 it's yours. The whole mess, the hurt, however long it's been going on, whatever it is, just give it to you, Lord. Lord, boggles my mind that these same passages we've talked about in those same chapters it says that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus so we just push that aside we run to your arms the loving heavenly father who loves us and cares for us your ways are higher than ours we don't understand and this planet is so fallen and messed up God I'm thankful that you're making a way out for us, a a new place for us called heaven. In the meantime, Lord, I pray you meet us where we are. For every frustrated or broken or hungering heart in relationships, Lord, that just aren't there, I just, Lord, whether you heal that relationship or not, then give us the right disposition, the right perspective on it, and the wisdom on how to relate, what to do or not. Bring healing. Lord, every habit, Lord, you see the things we long to do and be. Holy Spirit, cultivate the fruit of the Spirit of self-control in us to be more effective in that. But help us where we're not. Put us in touch with those things that drive us to those thoughts and attitudes and behaviors that we wish we'd do without. Help us to be more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Lord, I pray a special blessing on each one who's come forward today both their courage and their I've had enough God do something and we've already sung there is enough faith in this room there are hundreds of us gathered together and we know you're here and so we trust you with what's ahead and we thank you that you'll help us become unstuck we thank you just thank you quietly thank you thank you for whatever you're going to do in me in them in this situation through me In Jesus' name, amen.